This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 11 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. This is Tigger Montague. And this is Patty Perucci. And you're listening to Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. We have the coolest guest today, Patty P. Oh, uh, I know it. <laughs> how, how to describe Tawana? She, if Mother Nature was a mad scientist, it'd be her. <laughs> be oh, Tawana. well done. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Don't you, Tigger? I can, I can just see her now. Mother Nature in a little lab coat with the fairies all going around her head. You know, she's hanging out yeah. in the forest. Well, I, I think it's going to be cool to listen to for sure. It's going to yeah, be Yeah, the, the War Horse products are pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then and we then, have an interesting dog breed. Our listeners is right. thinking about, you know, Dalmatians for for a barn dog. So that's going to be very interesting. Yeah. And I will tell you, this was one of the more interesting ones that I researched. Cause I, I know, you know, again, I know some, um, some stuff about them. I've never had one. Neither has Tigger. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. I just think that's something to clarify. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I, I, I would like to bring up something that happened last night, Patty. <laughs> what would that be, Tigger? <laughs> well, that would be the, the phone call from you saying, <laughs> I got a new computer. And oh I'm, yes, I remember I'm, that phone call. <laughs> I'm setting up Skype. Okay, oh, this is Patty. This- what kind of computer did you get? <laughs> oh, I got an HP because it was just too far to drive 45 minutes to the Apple store. It's true. <laughs> it's true. But this but Jennifer, I want to share with you something about Tigger. Please do. If you talk to her on the phone a lot, which I do, yeah. and I have for years when I've been driving places, she's my go-to person and I will tell you if you're up at 4:30 in the morning, you actually can call Tigger. Because she'd be like, oh, yeah. And she answers the phone as if they're like butterflies and daisy. She's always very happy. Um, But there's one thing about Tigger, and I've said this to her for years, and it drives me crazy, is that you will say something. You'll be like, hi, Tigger. How are you? And this is what you'll hear. (laughs) I'm fine. (laughs) It's like she's not breathing. It's like she's not breathing. And so there has been times, and Tigger, how many times over the last how many years of our life do I go, are you, are you still there? Yeah. And I always say, I'm thinking. Yeah, but it's like, think louder, okay? Make a noise. Um, Something. Yeah, do an um. Something. Yeah. Yeah. But she's the most silent listener ever. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting because, Jen, as you know, you've spent a little time with us. It's not like either one of us shuts up. <laughs> okay. But you know we, what that tells me? That- from the story, which was you didn't buy an Apple, you bought right. an HP, and then we spent two hours trying to get it to work. And yes, what, what did I keep saying? Okay, then this is the point of my segue is I said, so I said, yo, Tiggy, listen, you know, I'm on top of this. I got a computer, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, oh, Patty P, that's great. What did you get? And I said, well, I ended up just getting something to Skype with because I blah, blah, blah. I got an HP. And this is what I heard. Tigger, are you there? (laughs) You didn't get a Mac? (laughs) I got you back, Patty. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a PC guy. I got your back. Well, and I have to admit, but Tigger kept going, Patty, I don't know how to do it. Well, I made her troubleshoot with me. And actually, it made for quite an enjoyable evening. Whatever you want to say, Tigger, we both had fun. And um, so thank you. But I I did did like being right. I know you did. Really? (laughs) And every time I'd say, you should have bought a Mac, she'd go, shut up. Sheesh, I say. You know something? You know what? what? You you guys um, need to take a little bit of your own advice because today's critter nutrition, we're going to talk a little bit about living healthier by reducing oxidative stress. You need to live healthier by reducing computer stress. 
Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thanks to you and actually thanks to little Tigarella, even though she was a little negative in her not talkingness, um, we have figured it out, have we not? Yes. Here we are and using it, it to talk to one here another. Here we are. Here we are using it. And quite frankly, I can hear so much more. It's kind of irritating. So <laughs> I can actually hear Tigger not saying anything a lot clearer. <laughs> and you know something else that's going to be very clear coming up on, the, on today's Coffee Clutch? Reading yes. poop. Oh my God. <laughs> I want to hear about that. I was really excited about this. And I may or may not share stuff that happened to me actually just today. Who knows? We'll see. Um, but yes, reading poop was. Oh, um, yeah. You did have poop adventures today, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, oh, did. stay tuned, people. It was yeah. synchronistic. See, it was yeah. synchronistic. It, it actually stressed me out, which I need to listen to Tigger's um, yeah. Critter Nutrition um, so I don't get stressed out about it. Stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Wow. Awesome. Well, let's. Let's uh, let's get our first guest on the phone and get things rolling, eh? Perfect. Yay. We're welcoming Tawana Weicker today from Warhorse um, Solutions. Uh, I I met Tawana in Wellington, and um, her amazing products, which I promptly tried on my unsuspecting terrier with the coat problems. And I was so absolutely blown away by finally finding um, shampoos and cleaning products that not only are chemically clean, meaning free of, but are made in the same kind of compassion and um, attention to detail as Biostar products are, sustainable and um, good for the environment. So I'm very pleased to welcome Tawana. Tawana, welcome to Healthy Critters. Thank Hi, Tawana. you very much, and I'm I'm pleased to be here. And uh, how lucky for me that we left our hometowns and met in Florida. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you never know where you got to go to meet somebody interesting. You never know. So, um, so tell us how you how Warhorse came about because it really is an incredibly innovative approach to a very challenging problem, which is getting chemicals out of the environment. Well, and, and it started with the getting chemicals out of the environment through biofuels, which is plant-based oil that can go through a process called transesterification and actually run a diesel engine. And we have a John Deere tractor and diesel trucks a diesel lawnmower, and I had a student I was teaching in um, my high school senior English class, and she had done a senior graduation project on biofuels from waste plant oils in the community. And when she did the project and took a sip of biofuels and also explained how it was running her father's diesel truck, I became obsessed with what all plant material could do that I'd never really thought about. So fast track three or four years, my husband and I built a biodiesel facility on our, on our, um, in our little setup in our backyard. I was collecting plant oil. I became, I went and found a mentor to teach me how to make it and spent three or four months with him. And I was pumping diesel, uh, diesel plant oil in my car, had this great byproduct of leftover plant oils and like, what can I make with it? So I started researching about the benefits of glycerin and what all you can make with the product, and I knew that a couple of local university graduate programs, Clemson and Appalachian State, and many labs and universities all over the country were trying to discover what to do with this byproduct, this leftover plant oil, after it had been used to make biofuel for diesel engines. And so I made my first crude, rude product, (laughs) <laughs> and we called it the dark stuff because it had a very dark color, and I never gave it a name, and I gave it away. Oh, no. Art teacher, chemistry department, and they would say, my gosh, how great it cleans, and it <laughs> makes my hands feel good. Mm. So that's how uh, it started in about 2007, actually. And then I learned soap chemistry really well because as I made, it's like cooking, I made a lot of bad recipes. And uh, learned a lot about it. And so that was the catalyst for my obsession with what can I go out and forage and how, what can I make from it, specifically plant oils. 
Wow. Wow. That's quite a story. <laughs> uh, yes. And then after giving it away for, you know, four or five years, I had some veterinarians say, well, we, lo- we love cleaning our vet facility and grooming facility with your dark stuff. Uh, can you make us a pet and horse shampoo that will work great for animals with very sensitive skin with no sulfates, no parabens? We're kind of tired of all the... Uh, the products, even the medicated products that have all these uh, side effects and toxic ingredients. And so, once again, I took what I knew from my first product from plant and created this superfood buffet of plant oils that include almond, avocado, a really rich, nutrient-dense raw sunflower oil grown by Solio Family Farmers, and over a three- or four-year period gave it away to a group of veterinarians And then at some point they were like, don't touch the recipe, we love it, we want to sell it. And then horse farms were buying it from me, and finally my students who had been on the journey with me through my classroom experience said, when are you going to be a real entrepreneur and do something with this stuff and give it a name? So I hired some students and uh, filed some trademarks and uh, had a student do a website and started writing a blog and... It just, the company just started organically. So, and here we are today and made my way down to Florida and met Tigger. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds fast, but it was really a 10, it's been a 10 year journey. I was going to ask how, how long has this been? Cause I, I, I was years. like, dang, that, t- that sounds like a lot of, okay. A lot of time. Wow. Yes. A full-time wow. teacher, never planning to leave my job, love teaching. And it just became where I had a student said, why don't you go ahead and start this company you're dabbling with, and then when I graduate college with my market degree, you can hire me because I'm going to need a job. And wow. um, it just became a joke with my senior students, and I finally decided, hey, they're jumping out of the classroom and graduating, and I'll jump too and you know, become a student myself and, and remember what it's like to live on the edge and not know where your next paycheck's coming from and to do something exciting and experimental. <laughs> And I've got a lot of gray wow. hairs to prove it. You're oh, singing I... my song, sister. Oh, that is, yeah, amen to that. <laughs> so, um, specifically, um, can you tell us about your um, the shampoos? Because I've used now the equine and the canine. Um, wouldn't go anywhere without the canine. That is, that is a permanent part of my um arsenal for keeping five Australian shepherds in some <laughs> reasonable sense of cleanliness. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about that formula and, and how it, it exactly works? Because it's, it's, the coats are so shiny and so soft and I, I'll say luxurious. Well, I'll tell you, um, once again, it was almost a four-year process of tweaking the formula and carefully selecting ingredients that wanted to pack as much efficacy in the formula as I could so that if the dog had a skin issue, very sensitive skin, or was dealing with some condition that, you know, the product would support the skin issue and the healing that needed to take place, you know, regardless of what else the veterinarian was recommending or people were putting on their dog, changing their diet, I wanted to be able to support that and certainly not hinder healing, but I decided um, I wanted to use well-known ingredients that have a historical legacy of benefit to the skin, and also uh, ingredients that people people and animals would actually eat. So the goal was for for them to be minimally processed and to get the raw plant oils in the most... in the raw state, mm-hmm. uh, expeller pressed, and I was able to find uh, a raw expeller pressed sunflower oil, which is exclusive to Warhorse, grown and crushed by the Solio family farmers. And they do not, it's not uh, been stripped, deodorized, bleached, or refined. So it, when I get it from them straight out of the seed press, it has this rich, seedy, almost like a butternut squash, pumpkin-y, earthy smell. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't had its carotenoids and flavonoids 
sunflower wax, lecithin, none of that has been removed to make it into a cooking oil or a food-grade oil where they deodorize everything so it just has this very, you know, benign, um, scent-free smell. And it's almost like the same as Bragg's apple cider vinegar, that mother that's floating around in that jar of vinegar. This raw sunflower oil has wax, sunflower wax, and it's really thick and has a very distinct smell, and that is indicative of all the nutrition, antioxidants, the waxes that are left in it. And so once I found that ingredient and was able to purchase it and add it to the formula, that and along with the dead sea salt, when I added that, those properties to it with all those minerals, it's like the veterinarians said, we love it, but now we love this better, please don't touch it. <laughs> and leave the formula alone. And that was really a four-year period. I had a student who was doing, in my class, who had Noble. He's our mascot. You can see him on our website. And Red Oak Farm did R&D research for us, and we gave the product away, and one of my students would take samples out, give away in the horse community, get feedback. And we knew that, you know, we, I needed to leave the formula alone. And And every ingredient that's in it, carries a specific fatty acid profile. Castor oil with those particular fatty acids has, you know, certain properties that come along with it. And historically, every, you know, it's, it's a pretty well-known common ingredient. It's humble, but it's also extraordinary. Same thing with sweet almond oil, avocado oil, you know, almonds, avocados, great superfoods to eat. And I wanted the product, uh, frankly, the vets were bathing in it. Local horse farm owners were bathing in it, and I wanted a product that also could be used on people and animals. And if you bought a gallon of equine shampoo, well, you can certainly put some in your own bathroom and bathe your dog with it and bathe your horse with it. Wow. And so, uh, you see why I'm so selection. excited about this? Oh, it, well, it sounds like, it, Tigger, it sounds like talking to you. I mean, I mean, and, and I mean, by this the is, way, just so you know, I am an English teacher, not a chemistry teacher, but became obsessed with plant chemistry and soap chemistry, but um, have a bit of a a science background along with my English, and so while I was teaching well, that I, shows. Know, <laughs> Shakespearean sonnets in the classroom and reading Flannery O'Connor, I was going home at night and trying to make my formulas, you know, what else can I get them to do? How concentrated can I make them? And uh, what perfect ingredient, local, uh, recognizable, minimally processed ingredient could I add to the formula to make people with long hair dogs detangle and it not, you know, and the, and the grooming shears go through the hair and could it work on a boxer short hair, good for dogs without skin issues, good for dogs with skin issues, same thing with horses. So uh, it was a, a labor of love and I was, well, I still am obsessed with it. It shows. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, I am so impressed by just listening to you and knowing imagining how busy your life was before all this started and um, how much time and effort and thought and reading and experimenting and investigating. I mean, how much goes into this? And it, it obviously is a passion, which shows, I mean, this is, I'm blown away. I'm blown away. Well, and one thing, you know, and, and it was a lot of time, but I'm one of those people um, and, and culturally it's, it's common all over the world that, my mother and my grandmother, as far as women, if you sat down, you could be considered lazy. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've got to keep keep moving, so to speak, and doing something. And so we just, as kids, we, you know, we, my father, we would swear he'd chop a tree down as far away from a house as he could because he was trying to teach us a work ethic of pushing through struggle and being <laughs> fatigued and tired. And we had chores to do. We had gardens we canned. Uh, you know, pick blackberries and peach jelly. So, you know, cooking and gardening was always part of our, you know, daily daily lives. And that work ethic was, you know, required in the classroom. So I just kind of like a yellow jacket, you know. They never seem to rest. They just kind of sit and zigzag, and they're still moving even when they're not really doing. And that's me. I've got to be doing something, and um, I just poured myself into it, and it was a great release from, you know, 
research papers and teaching kids how to score well on the SAT. <laughs> I, I so think I'd really like you to be my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But I, Darn it, I, Tigger. What did you, you tell say her? I'm, yeah, I'm a little uh, eccentric or, uh, you know, Not little, at my all. husband says I'm sometimes I'm way too serious. But well, I, I, I just, I'm fascinated by every aspect in what you just shared. I, Tigger, I'm blown away. I am humbled. I'm blown away. Well, and here's the thing. Um, Biostar is now selling. We have partnered with Warhorse. And we are selling um, the shampoo, the pure gold cleaning soap, which I want to get into a little okay. bit. The leather care, the tack cleaning um, solution solution uh, formula um, because I was so I was so blown away by these formulas that I felt it was important that Biostar be a part of uh, Warhorse's journey and um, it, it's so in line with what with what Biostar is oh about. yeah I mean this is just sort of like it's you a perfect lead- marriage. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like you've been leading parallel lives doing something so similar. I know. So, well, we, so, we have a so common friend who's been, who's been trying to, to get us to meet, I believe, for about six to eight months, and we, we were able to do that in Florida. Well, that's pretty amazing. And where are you from, Tawana? Where are you I'm from? Uh, from North Carolina. I'm from okay. Columbus Tryon area. I'm a native. Yep. And Lived here most Recognize of the accent. I'm just. I'm not yes. going to lie. Okay. <laughs> I thought yes. you were North Carolina for sure. So let's talk about pure gold because um, this is the cleaning soap. I have used it um, pretty much on uh, everything I can find to clean. Um, Patty in the in the barns that that you teach in and uh, go in so many barns in Texas. Um, mm-hmm. This for me is the best thing I've ever cleaned a bucket with. Get out. Really? Yeah, it is. Okay. Without, without a doubt. Because every time we clean buckets with our typical cleaning solutions and we pour that water out, I always felt sick to my stomach because I knew it was running into the grass, running right. into the ground, affecting the soil. And and with pure gold, there's not one toxic element. It's all really edible food oils, if you will. Wow, okay. And what what is even more impressive, I have to say, is that she's had it tested and it's shown to be all her products are glyphosate-free. That means there's no Roundup residue in her products. Wow. It's, it's huge. That, no, it's, well, it, and to speak to the testing on all of, all of them, all of my, we have three, three formulas, actually. Um, you know, the goal was to show that no pesticides, metals, microbials, nothing synthetic, nothing artificial. And in fact, the horse and dog shampoo meets, you know, uh, premium body care standards for Whole Foods, for example, or the Blue Ridge Naturally certification as far as human. So I wanted ingredients and testing to show that, you know, you know, people say, well, why did you make it human grade? I'm like, well, your hands are bathing a dog. Your mm-hmm. hands are washing buckets and fire trucks and, you know, we're coming into skin contact. And the deal with the pure gold is I took what I knew from my very first dark formula 10 years ago and then what I learned from the horse and pet and uh, formula and then had access to this beautiful raw sunflower oil and this non-GMO canola fatty acids from oils from Solio Family Farmers and I wanted to formulate um, a product, a recipe that I knew had strong cleaning efficacy, could really degrease and clean well, and I knew what to do to make it do that. But I also wanted to create a product that was primarily the ingredients other than the non-GMO vegetable glycerin and a little bit of coconut oil. The majority of this formula is grown by, ingredients is grown by Solio Family Farmers. They have a seed crushing facility in Bowersville, Georgia, another in Louisville, Kentucky. And I think others are being built and they have co-ops of farmers that grow non-GMO 
and organic sunflower and canola food grade. It goes to grocery stores and restaurants. And I wanted to use their ingredients in a new way. And one of them has really low value, so I took a low value ingredient that had great skin properties, and it's a great ingredient, and put it in a product and use it in a new way. And when I purchased that ingredient, that non-GMO canola fatty acids from Solio Family Farmers, we were actually able to pay them a higher price per pound than what they were getting when the product went to a lower value. So the whole part of being sustainable and also a product where most of the ingredients are grown in the U.S. and in 10 states in the South, and um, I thought was nobody else has got anything like it, and it would be a, a great challenge and a test, and... Once I formulated and gave it out, and my, some of my former students gave it out, and we did surveys, and the whole just the same thing we'd done on the other two formulas, the feedback came overwhelming. And then it was EPA testing, non-GMO certification, and it received uh, green tier certification for a green cleaning product, highest you can get from the Green Seal organization. And so while you're washing that bucket, Tigger, <laughs> uh, your hands are, you know, being exposed to lecithin and vitamin E and sunflower wax. Yeah, your hands feel great glycerin. just using the shampoo, using oh, I can't the cleaner. Wait. I cannot wait to get this. I just cannot wait. So, you know, we're... Oh, I and let me tell you, you can do your laundry with it. Oh, that's awesome. Laundry, floors, tile, kitchen, bathroom. It's, it's truly an amazing, amazing, amazing cleaner. It sounds like it. Well, and if you wanted to make, you know, just general purpose spray bottles to clean surfaces with, a 32-ounce bottle will actually make 10 of those. And a gallon of it will actually make 40. And um, a gallon of it will wash uh, about 29 fire trucks, if you wanted to know that. (laughs) We we tested our products at two different local fire stations, cleaning the fire truck inside and out. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Their kitchen. And the thing is, one product can do it all with a lot of, um, you know, multi, multifunctional application and trying to cram as many, many active ingredients as, you know, and not sell water. Right. Everything we sell is concentrated and we figure you can provide your own water. You're already (laughs) for it or have access to it. Wow. Yeah, isn't it, it? I can't, Patty. You when you place your Biostar order, you need to include some more horse. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, it's funny that you were saying. I was just thinking that, Tig. I was like, Hey, Tig, would you add some of this stuff, please? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Tawana, thank you so much for being Truly, here. Truly, thank you. I, it, it's it's been. It's such a great story. We are so excited now to partner with you on your journey. Well, thank you. I I um, just recently did a little TED Talk about how the company got started and why I left teaching. So Awesome! Uh, it's it's, uh, it's an inter- been an interesting journey and evidently interesting enough to get the attention of, you know, some students and some other teachers. And we've got some biofuel chemistry at our high school, which is state science courses now. And I'm really proud of the community I live because they're the reason, you know, farms and veterinarians and a lot of other businesses help Warhorse move forward. And I'm really grateful for where I live and uh, the people who have helped us. Well, and well, thank you for helping, you know, the planet and the horses and the dogs and the humans. I'm not a chemist, but I know if uh, I can't pronounce it, I might not want to eat it. And I exactly. Might not it, I might not want it to go in the bottle. So. And for anyone interested in more information on, on actually the chemicals that I uncovered in common equine shampoos, you can go to biostarus.com, um, go to my formulators blog, and I have a whole article where I break down wh- what these chemicals are. Some of them have determined as carcinogenic. Some of them are banned in the EU, and yet they're in our horse shampoos. So... Anyway, Tawana, thank you so much. Thank you. And um, look forward to having you on again. Well, thank you for having me. And ladies, let's just all keep moving. (laughs) 
Hedwig? Oh my God, Tigger, it is so nice to hear from you. Hi, Hedy. I miss you. Well, I really miss being a part of our nice Florida family with my friend, your big dog. Such a nice dog. And Yodi. And Yodi, yes. So, so how are things up in New York now that you're in the cold weather? Well, I must confess that I am a fan of more moderate temperatures than our current really, really cold. It was 14 degrees this morning, which is very cold. And that was before wind chill. Wind chill made it even colder. And so I huddled in a sunspot with my sister. Oh, that sounds awfully cold. <laughs> it was very cold, yes. Even the horses were cold. Everyone was cold. So, Hedwig, you know, we've had some um, guests, uh, some listeners, uh, send us some um, emails asking about you would recommend about taking dogs to the vets. Oh, now that is an interesting subject for sure. And um, one with which I am familiar, of course, because I am a small dog who sometimes has to go to the veterinarian. So what advice do you have for um, owners who need to take their dogs to the vet? You know, not because it's urgent, but maybe they need a checkup once a year, um, update on their rabies. How do you make it more comfortable for the dog, Hetty? Well, I mean, a couple of things can be useful, though, of course, no one thing will work for each dog. That's really up to the dog. But one thing that works really well for me and for my sister is that we go together because we are each other's comfort zone. And so it's better when we're always together. So if you have a pet that is used to being with another pet, Ask your veterinarian to have both animals in the room at the same time. Yes, that's a good idea. And then another good idea is to have a little routine that you do for the veterinarian to prepare. So we have rescue remedy, which tends <laughs> to help with anxiety. Um, and we also have a little routine where our servant appears to give treats to the vet to give to us. They are our favorite treats and only given at the vet. And so we associate the vet with nice things. And that is helpful, though it does not really remove the fact that the veterinarian is evil. <laughs> and then the third thing... I didn't know that was coming. Me neither. Okay. That was good, Hetty. Sorry. Please continue. And the third thing that's really important is that you... And, you know, you, the dog, and your human have to really like and trust the vet. So if you go to a practice with more than one vet and you find one that you really like who is kind to your animal, then that should be your point person at the vet. And it is important also to find a second vet in that practice who can help you in an emergency if the first vet is Slacking off, like taking a day off or something. You know, those are all very good tips. They are. From the I always find that making going in a car fun for the dogs, then they don't know whether they're going to the vets or they're going to the office or, you know, so it's not that I take them only to go to the vets. I think that's, that's a good point. Really helpful. Well, of course, we accompany our servant really everywhere she goes because she cannot be trusted to navigate on her own. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Just the other day, for example, we assisted in grocery shopping, and that was very exciting, although apparently it was frowned upon when I opened the bag of marshmallows in April. What? <laughs> well, Hedwig, thank you so much for your important veterinary tips. And uh, maybe next time we can talk about your tips of grocery shopping. That ought to be fascinating. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a whole other thing right there. 
while I am always happy to talk about how I assist my servant in her daily tasks. You're such a giver, Hetty. Such a giver. (laughs) Okay, thanks, Hetty. Stay warm. Thanks, Hetty. And now it's time for the breed of the show. So as per a request from one of our listeners, uh, they wanted to hear about the Dalmatian. And I have to tell you guys, this has been interesting because I knew a little bit about Dalmatians. I kind of know a little bit about a lot of dogs. (laughs) This is, again, I'd like to clarify, I haven't had this dog. Um, But one of our listeners has asked specifically if it would be a a good barn dog. So in doing my research, it's very interesting. If most of you um, are familiar with it, it's 101 Dalmatians. It's been in, you know, um, been in cartoons for our kids and they're just sort of a happy, wonderful dog. Or it's an Anheuser-Busch dog that's on the, um, you know, the wagon with the the horses and whatnot. And it's also been known as the firehouse dog. Yeah. Well, um, so it, it's interesting, AKC, um, I always like to go there to read what they say, and then I go through all these other different like things that I try to figure out what I like to kind of bring together. Um, the, one of the first three things it says is a very dignified, outgoing, smart dog. And I don't know why that sort of struck me. I, I thought dignified was so interesting. I have not been around a lot of Dalmatians, and I don't have too many friends that have ever had them. I, I, I thought that was kind of an interesting. never met a dignified Dalmatian. Well, that's kind of now, what... that's interesting because I have met a dignified Dalmatian. <gasps> you have? Okay, that's interesting. Interesting. And they're um, sort of aloof. You know, the dignified I get because they were, these two were sort of standoffish, not unfriendly, just... Right. Interesting. Not arrogant, but dignified. Well, and I, but I will say this, and I know that we all get this, but when there's a popular dog because of a movie or, or whatever, um, they become overbred. And I think that has definitely happened with this dog. Um, it's, it, and the basics of the dog is that, you know, it has a decent lifespan. It can live up to 12 years. It has minimal health issues, although deafness is, is a, a, a big thing in the breed. Um, it's a larger dog. They will. They were originally bred to run alongside horse-drawn carriages, which I'm kind of that didn't surprise me. Um, but this this is what was so interesting, and this is where I say to our listener um, to listen because they say number first and foremost, this dog needs a lot of leadership because they're very smart and they're very outgoing. They need a lot of mental mental and physical exercise because they can become very very difficult, and they're very smart. So they sense when their owners are not confident if they're a little bit more meek. And I found that on several, several different locations where I was reading about, about the dogs. Um, but it's, they, they've had a bunch of different, uh, jobs, agility. Um, you know, I, I guess they really do use them in firehouses. I don't know if you guys have ever seen one, but I haven't. Um, but they were bred to be loners and they don't really excel in obedience for that reason, which I thought was very interesting. Mm. That recall is a joke, apparently, for this dog. Okay, it's yep. It's like it's like herding cats, which apparently is one of our favorite things to say. They tend they're supposed to be a non-aggressive breed, but they will protect their herd, whether it's their family or their kids, their fire engine, their carriage. Um, They have also they can be trained for protection work, which I found also fascinating. They rely mostly on their size. To protect, pr- to protect like predators, like you know, we were talking last time about the Great Pyrenees. Same sort of thing. They they rely a lot on their kind of their their size and their and their strength. Uh, but they have uh, very strong prey drive. And it's funny the three different Rare. places I know, <laughs> but the three different sites I go to, they said it's like training a cat. <laughs> I was just yeah, like, wow, oh boy. Except for the aloof part, this absolutely nails both of the Dalmatians that were in my life. Both of them really? are just very independent, very smart, very self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, were very happy to hang out with their herd. Mm-hmm. Um, in one case, that was the horses. Had Really didn't have any need to hang out with us. We were there because we provided dog food. But other than that, wow. she hung out with the horses. Um, okay. In the other case, she hung out with the kids. The kids were her herd. Um, very difficult to train. Now, in both cases, neither dog had good training as a puppy 
Mm. Well, in one that's... case, it was a puppy store puppy. In the other case, it okay. was a pound puppy. So neither of them had that opportunity during their formative years. But neither of them ever learned sit, stay, come, you know. Whoa. Well, <laughs> I... And again, I mean, I know one other person, I know two people that had Dalmatians, both of which were horse people. I couldn't, I wanted to try to contact them because I loved, you know, interjecting the personal point of view when somebody actually has one of the breeds that we have. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, Tigger and I can interject. Yeah, right. Usually, usually <laughs> that one, yeah. Yeah. Or I'll get you and uh, Glennon. Uh, but I think that the biggest thing that I got from this was how that they're strong-willed. And normally when I think strong-willed, I think like of a Jack Russell or, mm-hmm. you know, a border, a border terrier or a collie, something that needs a lot of exercise. But I think that this dog, because it was the one thing that I found is that it has to be by, it was bred to be by itself, um, that the training portion of the puppy uh, of the dog as a puppy is so important. And I think the answer to the question is, can this be a good barn dog? And my answer would be, it can be as long as you spend an enormous amount of time with it in the first year and a half to two years of its life. But the, the one of the dogs that liked to spend all of its time was with the horses. It was, I it was a farm dog in that we had a a working farm. Right. And that was an excellent farm dog. In that she was always out with the livestock. She kept an eye on things. She didn't mind. She wasn't needy. Um, right. She loved going riding with us. Whenever we went out riding, she was always with us. But on the right. downside, that that independence also meant she would be frequently out chasing deer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. so there was a flip side. And be, again, because the formative months of her life, um, she wasn't exposed to to good human relationships or productive human relationships. She right. didn't have the, the recall that could be so useful. So I would say for somebody who wants to have a farm dog as a Dalmatian, um, be prepared to take training classes with a really good trainer. Right. And get a dog that is from working stock. Don't get one that's mm-hmm. been bred to be a bench dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you brought up a really good point is because apparently they have a pretty strong prey drive. I don't think it's a dog as a young adult or a young dog that can be just sort of left to its own around the barn. You'd have to have it kenneled or tied or something like you have to know where it is because it's going to go out and find stuff is the impression I got. She would go out and find stuff. Now, luckily we lived in the middle of nowhere, so it was hard to get into trouble. Right. But you're absolutely right. Most of us have our horses in a much more suburban setting. Right. And if you just toss your six month old puppy out the truck door, and yeah, go off like and do your thing. He's liable to be chasing the chickens, or yeah. mm-hmm. or even the horses, or, or even a car. Yeah. So um, it sounds like it's really quite a neat breed, and I learned a lot. Uh, and I did I I did mention I'm sure, and I, I would uh, most people may not know this or they do, but they are born white, and they develop their spots as they get older. Huh. It's so cool. Well, that if anybody watched 101 Dalmatians, come on, Tigger, where have you been? I um, haven't seen it in a long time. It's on time. Netflix. Come on. Come on, Tiggs. Well, that's going to be what you're doing this weekend. Um, but they – now, the only other thing, and I didn't look into this too, too much, is that they uh, – I've always known them to be two colors, which black and white and liver and white. There was some mention. I didn't really understand how it went, but they talked about a lemon and white and some other colors, which I would assume are not huh. AKC recognized. Hmm. Very, very interesting. So yeah, when are you getting your next Dalmatian? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I remember one Dalmatian that, as we were just talking, that triggered my memory of a wonderful woman in Florida. Uh, Tigger, I don't know if oh you remember. Oh my God, I, I know exactly you know, who you're yep. talking about. And she had she had the um, kind of the boutique thing. Yes. Um, and that was a dignified dog. And it was a bigger dog, not like the smaller ones that I have normally seen. And I had forgotten about that until we were just talking. That was a pretty cool dog. Do you, you don't remember it's and that was a liver and white, I think. I thought it was a black that? and white. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're you're no help. <laughs> Why don't you think about it so I don't know what you're thinking <laughs> and say nothing? Um, yeah, so kind of cool. I I that was it was neat to learn about that. This is Critter Nutrition, and this episode. I'm going to talk about how we and our horses and dogs can live longer and healthier by reducing oxidative stress. 
stress. Are you listening, Patty? Yes. <laughs> Oxidative stress um, has been recognized as a contributing factor in fatigue, memory loss, muscle or joint pain, susceptibility to infections, and aging. Oxidative stress is caused by the reactive oxygen species, otherwise known as free radicals and peroxides. Most reactive oxygen species come as byproducts of normal and essential metabolic reactions, such as energy generated during, during daily exercise or the detoxification reactions in the liver. Other sources include diet, environmental pollutants such as herbicides and pesticides, stress and the elevated levels of cortisol, inflammation, bacterial, fungal, or viral infections. Certain medications and treatments can also produce free radicals. Over time, chronic oxidative stress can leave cells and tissues damaged, including DNA. Some scientists have concluded that oxidative stress is the underpinning of many chronic diseases. We see oxidative stress when we cut open an apple, then let it sit on the counter. That rusting mechanism of turning an apple brown is the process caused by free radicals. Oxidation is what produces free radicals. Antioxidants are molecules that inhibit the oxidation of other molecules. Antioxidants repair damaged molecules and protect DNA. There are two basic forms of antioxidants, water-soluble, such as vitamin C, glutathione, alpha-lipoic acid, and resveratrol, or lipid-soluble, such as vitamin E, vitamin A, beta-carotene, polyphenols like CoQ10, and astaxanthin. The body produces its own army of defense against the free radicals. These warriors include glutathione, alpha-lipoic acid, SOD, catalase, and CoQ10. Antioxidants that are not produced in the body include beta-carotene, bioflavonoids, flavanols, astaxanthin, resveratrol, selenium, and vitamin E. My favorite antioxidants are vitamin E. Horses can get vitamin E from fresh grass, but very little from hay. Food sources include almonds, sunflower seeds, rice bran, cold-pressed wheat germ oil, rice bran oil, and sunflower oil. The advantage of food-sourced vitamin E is that it contains a spectrum of the vitamin E tocopherol family, not just the isolated alpha tocopherol used in most all supplements and feeds. Rice bran also provides another portion of the vitamin E family, the tocotrienols. My next favorite antioxidant is bioflavonoids. These come in apples, parsley, oranges, blueberries, bananas, strawberries, almonds, cabbage, cantaloupe, and watermelon. That is why nearly all Biostar formulas include one or more bioflavonoid-rich fruits or vegetables. Beta-carotene is another favorite antioxidant. You can find it in carrots, kale, cantaloupe, papaya, mango, winter squash. Dogs can get additional beta-carotene from sweet potatoes. Astaxanthin. This is a super antioxidant from marine microalgae and is classified as a carotenoid. Salmon, as well as other marine mammals, eat the microalgae, which gives them their red color. Scientists have attributed the strength and endurance of salmon to this microalgae. Research on astaxanthin's ability to scavenge free radicals showed that it was 65 times more powerful than vitamin C and 14 times more powerful than vitamin E. Studies in Japan show that athletes who took astaxanthin experienced up to a 29% decrease in lactic acid buildup. Glutathione. This is an intercellular substance found in every cell in the body. It is made from three sulfur-containing amino acids, cysteine, glutamic acid, and glycine. Glutathione production can be disrupted by poor diet, stress, medications, infections, and environmental toxins. Non-food-based glutathione supplements have repeatedly performed poorly in absorption studies. Sulfur-rich foods, such as kale and cabbage, 
provide the body with the three proteins it needs to make glutathione's undenatured whey protein provides glutathione precursors, such as active peptides and the covalent-bonded cysteine. Mushrooms. The main bioactive components of mushrooms are the phenolic compounds, including the flavonoids, ergothionine, and carotenoids. There has been a lot of research in the last 15 years on mushrooms showing that medicinal mushrooms in particular have a higher antioxidant capacity than tomatoes, pumpkins, or carrots. We can't, of course, forget the antioxidant minerals. Zinc, copper, and selenium are important minerals involved in protection against oxidative stress in cells. But we have to keep a perspective. When the body is in balance, the free radicals are restrained from causing havoc by the body's own antioxidants. Several studies from around the world have indicated that high doses of a single antioxidant like vitamin C or vitamin E can actually increase mortality. These studies highlight why taking isolated antioxidants that are not in their whole food matrix may cause more health problems in the long run. Biostar's antioxidants are always in their whole food form, never isolated, never made in a laboratory. Our antioxidants are never in megapotency because megapotency doesn't exist in nature. In summary, a healthy body produces its own defense against free radicals. Free radicals are a normal part of, of energy that's created. When we exercise, it's a normal part of the liver detoxifying. But when our diet suffers, when we're under stress, um, environmental factors like pollutants and, and herbicides and pesticides, it can tax our normal defense systems so that the, the oxidation happens very rapidly and it becomes chronic. That is why... Eating real food for, for horses and for dogs and for humans is so important to maintain health and a very long life. So today's coffee clatch is all about poop. Tigger? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That was a beautiful flag there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> And nobody knows more about poop than Patty Perucci. It's true. It, between the kids and the dogs and all the crap, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> I think that the listeners need to know that when we decide what we're uh, going to do each time or each episode for Coffee Clutch, we really put a lot of thought into this. And this came to you like a, just a brainchild. <laughs> Would you agree, Tigger? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I realize that that people who don't own horses and dogs probably aren't as obsessed about how poop looks as we animal owners and True. lovers are. True. Because I know that I'm quite obsessed with the way my dog's poop look and my horse's poops look. Yes. And my own poop, for that matter. <laughs> And thanks for adding that in. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I think we take a lot of it for granted, um, which which was part of when we were discussing that this is what we wanted to talk about. And, of course, we have um, way too many funny stories, I'm sure, as everybody does. But it is a serious matter. We have to, That's the one thing we have to say. Talking about poop is serious. <laughs> um, well, it, it's telling us – it. It tells us so much about what's going on in in the body, or conversely, what isn't going on. Right. I mean, when I see diarrhea, I know that there is fire in the intestines. I mean, not right. fire literally, of course, yeah. but that there's a lot of inflammation. Um, and stools that are really hard and small, you know, although it's not quite constipation, that tells me that that the horse may need a whole lot more water or the dog may need more water right. um, or more fiber to, to have well-formed um, poop. <laughs> and, I, and I love well-formed poop. <laughs> 
Well, you know, it's funny. You know, only horses really appreciate well-formed poop. <laughs> true. Oh, true. Or even a dog. Well, I actually yes. had somebody once a little while back when Beaker was living at a boarding stable. It was a gal cleaning stalls there one day, and she wasn't the normal stall cleaner. And she says, what do you feed Beaker? He has the most perfect poo. <laughs> she actually said that. That's so funny. Well, you know, um, and that's it's. this is one of the discussions that Tigger and I had had before about uh, walking into a barn and having a horse manure and having it smell really bad. And I mean, I've both, bad. Like, yeah, we, a I've, buzzard off a shit wagon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because we were just doing a little uh, discussion about that. And we both had very similar experiences with very uh, similar grain product. And it is amazing, especially with horses, because, you know, it, it's so obvious and they're, they're, they're such large piles. You're, it's either going to smell like normal horse poop. Most people are going to listen to this and go, you know, if they don't have horses, think every, every horse pile of manure smells well there's a decent smell and there's a bad smell and that tigger we talked a lot about that like you know when it this is going to sound horrible when it's a little bit more of a sweet smelling horrible odor what does that normally mean as in too sweet yeah because i think i i had that what generally does that mean do you know i don't know but what i generally interpret it as is too much sugar and carbohydrates. Right. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah, it's interesting. And the other thing, the other thing is with horses is you can have the odor, you can have the stool, whether it's hard or uh, too loose, like you were discussing, but also when grain comes through. Okay. So there's, there is a misnomer about some of that. I mean, yes. Is there? Okay. Is, yes. Sometimes grain will pass through when they're not good digestive enzymes. There's not enough um, acid sometimes. It's a fermentation fat, the whole GI tract. Um, right. Sometimes with older horses. But sometimes it's really not the grain. And in the case of oats, it, right. a lot of people say, oh, the oats came, you know, they're, they're right. eating them whole. Well, yeah. not exactly. That's the hull. And oh. the hull is full of cellulose and lignin. And it's really not designed to be digested. It just slows the process of the body taking in the germ and the endosperm and the bran. Interesting. So it's a really good thing. So when it's out in the manure, it's like a lot of other sort of high lignin fiber. The horse doesn't necessarily digest it. It just gets broken up in the hind gut and shot out right. so to speak so <laughs> it's really not the whole oat it's just the hull interesting because that was exactly what i was thinking of when we were thinking that that's kind of interesting okay so girls what are your, you we all have to tell our, our worst poop story that we can think of whether dog or not human or horse or well i just cat. wanted to say that a funny thing sometimes is when somebody is new to horses and they come into a barn and they're just not used to the smells. Yeah. And you see them just kind of wrinkle their nose and, you know, they see the manure bucket or they see somebody mucking and you could, you know, they just wrinkle up their nose and you could see that they're really uncomfortable with it. And then they buy a horse or then they start taking lessons. And in about a month or two, they don't even smell it anymore. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's true. It's so true. That's I know. Yeah, you don't notice it. You're right. No. No. Well, I just remember being a young girl, and of course, I was always at the barn after school, and of course, I wore the shoes that I wore to school, um, to the barn, and and I and this is it's amazing how in you get so enthralled in what you're doing, and every day I forgot, and every day when I would get in school, and I was in this cleaner environment, and I could smell my shoes every day, and I thought. I have got to change what I'm doing here, <laughs> you know, because you're like, wow, that just smells just like being in the barn or the manure. But it is, you know, but the, the big thing is, is not all these smells are bad. I mean, obviously you have to have a certain amount of um, appropriate odor with your horses um, to know that they are digesting their food properly and all that. But Tigger, that was such a good point because I didn't realize that about the oat hull, the hull. I did not yeah, know when that. You feed, when you feed whole oats, uh, the hulls should be coming out. Okay. So you, oh, that's interesting because so you do want to see that. Okay. Well, uh, uh, it's got to go somewhere. It's not 
bad if the horse yeah. digestive hind tract is picking it up, but it's not unusual if, if it passes through. Right. Okay. And They're I wanted to point again. out just yes. a small fact on behalf of vegetarians worldwide. Yes. Do you notice <laughs> that horses and vegetarian humans, their poo is much less stinky and offensive than, say, humans who eat meat and dogs? Ah, but I, I, have, a, I have a caveat to that. Oh, For do tell. Dogs who eat and cats and cats, dogs or cats who eat high quality diets don't stink as much as cats or dogs who eat crappy food. Absolutely. Oh, I agree with that. That is absolutely true. But it's still more than than a horse. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because this is something else I just thought of because years ago, I don't know if you guys remember, certain uh, dog foods were claiming that, you know, you feed this and you have far less stool. The dogs go, you know, mm-hmm. go less, and uh, I, I never. And they were they were pretty good dog food. I mean, I don't. T- you wouldn't say that now today, Tigger. But I mean, there were companies that were considered on the cutting edge of you know nutrition and stuff. Um, but w- I mean that that's always a factor too. Do you do you guys feel the better you feed your dogs? Because I feed my dogs from, and I feel that they they are definitely more regulated. Uh, I don't know if they go any less but do you feel with higher quality food or or vegetarian diet that they go less i have never fed dogs vegetarian but i do know that the higher i know when i feed raw food my right. dogs definitely defecate less isn't that interesting yeah. mm-hmm. because their body is just using every bit there's not a lot of waste so not a lot of, there's not a lot of oat hulls going through there. <laughs> <laughs> not. Just no, that's not just that's not something yeah. going to happen. And I I'm, and and wrapping this all wrap up to to into a neat little package. When you were talking at the beginning of our coffee clatch about manure odors in the barn, yeah, never made a conscious thought about it. But you're so right about a horse's um his health can be partly monitored through not just the texture of manure, which mm-hmm. is, I think most horse folks are very in tune to, yes. but the odor as well. And then I thought about it because very recently I've had horses of different levels of health go through my life. Um, horses that were severely starved, horses that were, you know, in good weight, but had very poor nutrition. Mm-hmm. And then horses who were in excellent health all in a very short period of time. So I was, exposed to that in a in a pretty condensed uh chronological order and i just it just occurred to me when you said that it's like well wait a minute the horse that was in excellent health and on part of the reason he was in excellent health is he had a very good quality diet Mm -hmm. he wasn't just fed enormous amounts of food so he had a lot of energy and muscle he was eating very high quality food the manure didn't have much of an odor to it. It mm-hmm. smelled like horse poo versus the horse that had very poor quality diet and a lot of it. Boy, did that poo smell. Yep. Yeah, it is, it's so interesting. It was like rotten pumpkins. It mm-hmm. was nasty. Much more so yeah. than the horse that was starved. Yep. That horse, again, there was very little odor, but maybe just because it was nothing but, you know, figuratively oat hulls coming out of there. Right. Um, that that's very interesting. So I'm going mm-hmm. to be uh, going forward. I'm going to be more conscious of the. You're going to be more aspect. poop aware. Well, yeah, yeah more poop aware. <laughs> I think we should all. Our takeaway message is: we all need to be more poop aware. I, I feel t-shirts coming on. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I do too. I do too. Maybe even a mug. Oh yeah! Oh, t- there you go. Right that up I like. Alley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know the little emoji on your phones, the poop emoji. Yeah, it could, it could be that. Oh, that's good stuff. Go. You know, I I want to share one funny story uh, about, and it didn't. Fortunately, it wasn't my dog because my dogs wouldn't do such a thing. But my sister had a beagle, and she was taking stuff out of the laundry. And folding it and everything. And she realized she was missing a sock. Now, there's always been a joke in our family. Whenever a sock is missing, it's always the cat's fault. Right. So she jokingly, though she doesn't have a cat, said, oh, you know, one of the cats have got it. 
And <laughs> like a day or two later, she was out walking her beagle. And guess what came out? Oh, the, the, sock. Beagle, the, the cat. Sock. The cat came out. Yeah, yeah. There was a cat all along and it was a cat. Okay. <laughs> the beagle had the sock. Yeah. Yeah. And it had gone through his entire GI tract. Yeah. That's, that I is, mean, I find that incredible. Had a pony well, eat a glove once. You, you know. Wow. Came out the other end. What came out the other end? A glove. Well, yeah. I, I had greater Swiss mountain dog. Her name was Tessa. And um, this is actually a very lovely story. Tessa was a trash hound. Um, the dog ate twice a day, every day of her life. Uh, she was, and I, as we did Swissies before, we, I was so adamant about how she ate. It was elevated. It was always water. She didn't run two hours before. She didn't run two hours after. It was very regimented, hence probably why she was such a trash hound. Um, I love red wine. And um, I, uh, <laughs> let me get through this, Tigger. <laughs> um on several different occasions, Tessa would act a little odd. And uh, oddly enough, she would start to throw up a little bit, which was odd, but her coat would get very dry and dandruffy looking. And the first time this ever happened, I brought her to a vet in Michigan and they x-rayed her and they said, well, it appears that this dog has eaten three quarters. (laughs) And they went in to do exploratory surgery. By the time they got to the surgery, from the time they did the x-ray to the time they did the surgery, the quarters were gone. There was nothing in there. So I had to go through with a spoon and a fork for, I can't tell you how long, um, going through her poop every time. And I knew when she pooped because I fed her so strictly and we never found them. So if you would think that that story would be bad enough, um, by the way, I threw those forks out. I ended up getting plastic forks. I'm never having dinner at your house. Oh, I'm not done, honey. I am not done. Um, (laughs) so then comes the next time she had very similar behavior and I was gone doing a clinic and it was my daughter, Phoebe's dog. And she said, mom, she's doing it again. And she's not acting as bad, but there's something not right. And I said, just get her to the vet, just get her to the vet. They got her to the vet and I got home later that night, probably about 10 o'clock, about three o'clock in the morning, uh, excuse me, about 12 o'clock in the morning, they called and they said, listen, we have to go to surgery. It's something, there's something obstructing her and it's not good. And I said, okay, please do whatever you have to do. And then call me (laughs) at three o'clock in the morning, they called me and they said, Miss Perucci, your dog is fine. And we found what was causing uh, her problem. And I said, oh my gosh, what was it? He said, well, um, I put it in a plastic bag for you. And I said, you did? What is it? He said, it is a completely and utterly not chewed wine cork. And I said, what? No teeth marks, nothing. She just was in the trash, dumped She just went in there, picked out what she wanted, and swallowed it right down. Wow. That's what you call putting a cork in it. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So there you go. There we go. I think that that we should wrap. The uh, discussion of reading poop with that. I think that's uh, I, the final yeah, word. You're, wel- you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Hug your dog. Love your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean the litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snake. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. And party with your parrot. Mm-hmm.